Good morning. Welcome to Zion on this feast of the Holy Trinity, a beautiful morning to worship our Lord. Are there any announcements or any prayer requests before we begin our worship this morning? Yeah. Yeah, we continue to, to pray for Eli. Lift him up. Yeah, Denise. And you might remember, clear back in the fall, I asked the congregation to pray for a friend, Kara Rossfather, who's my son's future sister-in-law. Long story short, she had a diagnosis of breast cancer, double mastectomy, chemo, radiation. She finished her last radiation, rang the bell down at the James Cancer Center on Friday, and she's all done. Everything's great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. We'll continue to. She's, yeah. Uh, she's a trooper. Yeah. That's awesome news. Thank you. But if there's nothing else, I invite you to. Take a moment to prepare your hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude. I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, 
Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Almighty Creator and ever-living God, we worship your glory, eternal three in one, and we praise your power, majestic one in three. Keep us steadfast in this faith, defend us in all adversity, and bring us at last into your presence, where you live in endless joy and love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Proverbs. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal she cries out. To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields, or the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, 
when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. The word of the Lord. We will read responsively Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their courses. Yet you have made them little less than divine. With glory and honor you crown them. All flocks and cattle, even the wild beasts of the field. Birds of the air, fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The second reading is from Romans. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of the Lord. According to St. John. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. And children, I invite you to come forward. Do you, uh, do you ever write on yourself with a marker or a pen? Do you, ever get, do you get in trouble for that? No, yes, maybe. Silas, when you were little, you did. Magdalene, do you ever write on yourself? No? Hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah, so here, I'm writing on myself because I'm a grown-up and I can do what I want. Uh, right. Uh, maybe you're not supposed to write on yourself, uh, but we do sometimes. Uh, 
but I want to think about something and about marking, being marked and being written on. So I had this thought. Uh, when you were baptized at a font, do you know what the pastor said when you were baptized? You were baptized in the name of? Christ. No. No. When you were baptized, the minister says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right? And puts water on your head three times. Each time, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, when we begin our service, when we begin our worship, what are the words that begin our worship? Do you remember? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And when we end our worship, the minister gives a blessing that goes like, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Bless you now and forever. Does that sound familiar, right? And so one of the things that's true is that when we are baptized, we're given a mark, right? And so this mark I just wrote on my hand. When I wash my hands, that's going to come off, right? It's just pen. But what we say is that when you're baptized, you're marked with the name of God, right? And that name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And so when we come to worship, we're reminded that we worship in that name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then when we leave worship, we're sent out into the world again in that name. We're reminded that God has marked us with his name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so one of the ways I want you to think about that, to think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as God, is, is to think about who God is for you. So God the Father is who created you. God the Father gave you life. God the Father provides for you all that you need in this life. God the Father gives to you. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, forgives you all your sins. Jesus Christ died for you, is risen for you, and he loves you. So God the Son redeems you, and God the Holy Spirit makes you holy, which is to say he gives you faith, he guides your heart, he directs you in your life, and he points you to God. And so as you're marked permanently, not like this, but you're marked permanently with the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's a reminder to you that God is always with you. God's always caring for you. God's always forgiving you. And God's always directing you and guiding you. And that's what we celebrate today on Trinity Sunday. That God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is always with us. Let me pray for you. Lord, you have marked us with your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that you continue to give us hope and comfort and endurance as we live our lives trusting in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So my wife and I have been watching a show called Under the Banner of Heaven, which is based on a book of the same name by the author John Krakauer. And the show focuses on a true story of a double murder committed in the name of God by two brothers, 
named Dan and Ron Lafferty. And so the Lafferty family was involved with a small splinter group of fundamentalist Mormons in Utah who sought to return to the original teachings of the Mormon church. And so the Lafferty's are radicalized and they come to believe that one of the brothers, Dan, is a new prophet of the church and that he hears directly from the Holy Spirit. Dan then uses what he claims is the guidance of the Holy Spirit to preach against things like paying taxes and to preach for polygamy. Well, eventually Dan claims that the Spirit has told him to kill his sister-in-law and her baby because the sister-in-law does not approve of his actions. And all of this, he claims, is with guidance from the Spirit. So it's easy to imagine the abuses that can happen when we hear someone in power say, well, the Holy Spirit told me. Right? There are many, many people who would love to justify their actions and their desires by suggesting, I felt the Spirit leading me to do this. I heard the Spirit tell me to do this. Even in 2009, at our controversial ELCA Churchwide Assembly, the presiding bishop at the time, Bishop Hansen, received quite a bit of criticism because he made the claim at the assembly, let this be our witness, that we are a church going with the flow, the flow of God's Holy Spirit being poured out, suggesting that whatever was voted on in that assembly was the work of the Spirit. And to a large extent, I think we're right to be skeptical of people who make these kinds of claims. We must not use the ministry of the Holy Spirit as justification for every desire and every whim that passes through our head. But when we read the gospel in John 16, we hear clearly that Christ teaches us that the Holy Spirit actively guides the church. Christ says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus uses two active verbs here, guides and speaks. And so we must not think that the Holy Spirit is simply passive in some way, or that the Holy Spirit sits back and occasionally whispers in our ears like a guardian angel when we really need help. Instead, Christ points us to the truth that the Holy Spirit is in fact always guiding us and always speaking to us. But then that should raise the question, how do we know that it's the Holy Spirit who leads us? How can we be skeptical of claims of people like the Lafferty's who claim to be led by the Spirit also? The key is right here in Jesus' teaching. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And in the Gospel of John, truth is not just an abstract or relative concept. In fact, you'll remember in John chapter 18, when Jesus stands before Pilate, they have a dialogue. Pilate asks Jesus, so you're a king? And Jesus replies, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asks, what is truth? Pilate is stuck in the philosophies of the world that debate this concept of truth. Can there be more than one truth? Can something be true for me and not for you? 
Is there only one objective truth and so on? But the gospel is not so much interested in that discussion. And for the gospel, truth is not just an abstraction, not just an idea. Rather, in the gospel, truth is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. In fact, in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anything that is truly true begins with Jesus. He shows us the truth that is the foundation of the world. So I return to that question, how do we know that it's the Holy Spirit who leads us? Well, the answer here is that the Holy Spirit always leads us to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit always leads us to bring glory to Christ alone, to put our faith into him alone. The Holy Spirit leads us to the incarnate Christ who is shown to us in the word of God. Because when we are led to Christ, we're led to the perfect image of the fullness of God. All right, do we want to know what the author of truth looks like? Well, look to Christ. Do we want to know what God looks like? Look to Christ. Do we want to know the very heart of God? Well, look to Christ. It's in Christ the fullness of God dwells. So it is to Christ that the Holy Spirit leads us. Christ reveals to us exactly who God is for us. So the answer to that question becomes very basic. The Holy Spirit leads us to Christ revealed to us in the word of God. In fact, the Apostle John deals with the same question in the fourth chapter of his first letter, where he writes, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. If we are led to something that is not Christ-centered, if we are led to believe something that is all about our gain, our glory, about winning the values and the acclaim of this world, then that something is not from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads us to the crucified Savior. And so on this Trinity Sunday, we remember this idea. The Holy Spirit brings glory to the Son. The Holy Spirit seeks to make the Son all the more magnificent in our lives. Literally, the Holy Spirit wants to magnify Christ for us, to make him bigger and bigger in our understanding of the world, and of ourselves. And that's the true life of the Christian. That Christ, Christ alone becomes bigger and bigger and takes up more and more of our vision in this life. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes that happen. And so the Trinitarian truth is that in the unity of God, the Trinity is always being glorified. And the Athanasian Creed, which we'll read here in a moment, it will remind us that in this trinity, none is before or after the other. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal. The unity and trinity and the trinity and unity is to be worshipped. What we see then is that the persons of the trinity are always magnifying the others and always leading us to the presence of our creator. Again, in the words of St. Athanasius, God is above all things as father for he is the source, he is through all things through the word, and he is in all things in the Holy Spirit. And so in the Trinity, God is always exalted. And so while we might ask, so what? 
What does all this mean practically? Why does it matter that we confess that God is one God in three persons? Well, first and foremost, it is important because only God can save us. Only God can bring life out of death. Only God can make us new through the total forgiveness of our sins. Thus, if Christ is not God, then we cannot be confident that we will be forgiven our sins. We cannot be confident that we will be raised from the grave on the last day. And if the Spirit is not God, we cannot be confident that our hearts will be made new. We cannot be confident that the word and sacrament that we receive will bring us into the presence of God. And so the Trinitarian faith, the faith in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, assures us of our salvation. But even more practically, our confession of the Trinity reminds us that we are not alone in this world. It's so easy for us to become like deists. If you remember, deism was a popular 18th century philosophy wherein they believed that God created the world and then set it into motion, and now God is no longer involved. God is up here somewhere far away from us. And that nature just plays out by the laws created by God, but God's not actively involved in this world. But our faith in the triune God fights against this because we're reminded over and over again that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are indeed active. The Father begets the Son who took on flesh for us and now comes to us in word and sacrament. The Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son guides us to this word and sacrament and makes them effectual in our life. And so when we begin our service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we are reminding ourselves of the God who is always working for us. Not the distant God who's unreachable, but the God who comes to us. The doctrine of the Trinity, then, is not just an obscure mystery, a complicated doctrine to be put away. Rather, the doctrine of the Trinity is there to bring us comfort the comfort that God is always for us and with us. Amen.
This morning we will confess our faith using the Athanasian Creed, and I'll invite you to stay seated uh, as we recite the Creed, and we will recite it responsively. Whoever will be saved shall, above all else, hold the Catholic faith, which faith, except everyone, keeps whole and undefiled, without doubt, it will perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in three persons, in three persons, and one God. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, the Holy Spirit incomprehensible. And yet, they are not three eternals as there are not three uncreated nor three incomprehensibles. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, and the Holy Spirit almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son, Lord, and the Holy Spirit, Lord. For as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge every person by himself to be both God and Lord, the Father is made of none. The Son is of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal, so that in all things, as is aforesaid, he therefore that will be saved is compelled thus to think of the Trinity. For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the worlds, perfect God and perfect man of a reasonable soul and human flesh subsisting, who although he is God and man, one, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking the manhood into God. One 
For as the reasonable soul and flesh is one man, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. At whose coming all men will rise again with their bodies and will give an account of their works. This is the Catholic faith which, except a man, believe faithfully and firmly. And I'll invite you to stand. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Blessed Father, from you comes all that is, and we are forever indebted to your grace for the gift of life. Receive this day our special thanks for the redemption you have provided in Christ your Son and for the work of the Spirit in bringing us to know you by faith and to be adopted as your children by baptism into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Father, you desire not the death of the sinner, but that all may live. Grant your Holy Spirit that hearing your word, all people may be brought to repentance and may confess with us their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Father, you have revealed yourself to us in Christ, that we may know you by faith and confess you before the world. Give us your spirit that all churches may confess truly and faithfully your word and live together in harmony of doctrine and life in anticipation of that day when we shall all kneel together at your altar. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Father, you guard your world as your own possession and have established governments and leaders to serve your purpose. Bless our President Joseph, our Governor Richard Michael, and all elected and appointed officials, that in their stewardship of the nation and state, they may be faithful and serve honorably for our benefit. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Father, you have suffered fully the cost of love through your son. Give healing and peace to all the afflicted, especially Denny, Steve, Nancy, Barb, Ray, Marilyn, Landon, Nancy, Rose, Tony, and Carolyn. Give them all that is needful that they may endure their trials confident in your presence. Lord, in your mercy. And blessed Father, your Son was the voice that spoke all things into existence, and your grace still preserves all that you have made. You did not abandon your people when they have abandoned you, but you have delivered us by the blood of Christ. Grant us your spirit that we may know your word and keep it in faith through all the days of our earthly pilgrimage until we are joined with the faithful patriarchs, the prophets, the apostles, and the evangelists in your presence forevermore. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord. <laughs>